You ready? To get off that platform. Shoot, man. This ain't no, this ain't no rest home. I'm pulling this over. <laughs> uh, do I have a glare on that? Okay. I need to come back over this way? Is that better? Is that bad? Okay, maybe we can get somebody to, to pull that shade down a little bit for us back there. Everybody's sitting in different spots, and you guys. <laughs> maybe we can get Jason or somebody up there. Rocky, pull that, pull that screen. There you go. Pull that on down. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Is that better? That better? Boy, you guys are a rough crowd tonight, aren't you? Calm down. You had a rough week? <laughs> Lord. Woo. Had a rough week, man. Oh, Lord. I just want to share some of the things. I'll probably go another Wednesday with this. Um, today, when I, when I was studying more, and I, and I ended this thing up and began to, I got onto that, the NASA website and began to talk, and look, and visit and study about those four blood moons. That, um, four, by the way, is, I, it's not on this one, but four is the number of creation, our flesh. And... Um, there is really some, there's there's going to be a major change. There is there is coming a major shift, and uh, we better get ready. The scripture says Ecclesiastes chapter three and verse one. I guess hopefully we can we can get that up there. To everything, how many is everything? To everything there is a season. Now, the the significance of numbers is that God is is a God of order. Uh, he has laid out a plan before the world began. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit got together and, and developed this plan before. Now, I, that you, I can't get my mind around that. I don't think anybody else can either. But he planned this thing out. Uh, the redemption of mankind, he knew that Adam and Eve would, would mess up. Uh, if it hadn't been them, it would have been one of us. Somewhere, if, you know, somewhere we would have messed up and would have needed a Savior. Uh, so we don't want to throw too many rocks at Adam and Eve. Um, but anyway, he had, he, he knew all this stuff would happen. He knew the order. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. A time for what? How many is every? Every. 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 Is that all? So, so he has... In his, in his wisdom, uh, he has this thing uh, worked out. He has his plan. There is the plan of God that is going through the world, the sovereign plan of God, and nobody can stop that. The devil can't stop that. There's already... Now, in our lives, God's, God's purpose and plan for our life can, can be stopped by us. God is not going to make you or I do anything. But his sovereign will, as far as the world and his church and everything, that is, that is going on regardless of what, regardless who's president, regardless of who's running Russia, regardless of who that guy, that, the nut over there in North Korea. It doesn't make any difference. He can, you know, I mean, 
you might not believe in God, but it's not going to stop His plan. God has a sovereign plan and it's going on. Now, we can, I can hinder the, the plan and the purpose of God in my life by the, the decisions and all according to my will. I can either uh, work on my relationship with God or I can choose to turn my back on God. Isn't that awesome? The only, there's only one thing that God has created that can look at him and tell him, take a hike. And that's you and I. We have, the, we have the ability to just, uh, you know, kind of stub our nose at God and do our own thing. And he allows us to do that. And uh, I don't know why he does, but he does. Psalms 147 and 4. Check this out. It shows you he counts the number of the stars. You can't even get your mind around that one. Not only does he have them numbered, he calls them all by name. Jonesy, Smith, Rick. He might have two named after Rick, as big as he is. No. <laughs> hey, I'm only kidding. I don't know how that come out, the anointing just all over me. <laughs> oh, man. I love that guy. Through everything, there's a season. He is such a God of order. And I want to take into number one. The number three is the number of the resurrection and the Trinity. The number three stands for the number of the resurrection and the Trinity. A lot of numbers, Bible numbers, have dual meanings. And, and I'm going to go back and revisit number 50 in just a moment and give you the other meaning about uh, the number 50. But the number three is the number of the resurrection and the Trinity. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 40. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, I want to say something here. I know we, we celebrate and we, we have our services on what we call Good Friday, and we celebrate the, you know, uh, we have a lot of people have Christ died on Friday, and, and that, there's, that's okay if we do that, but actually he didn't die on Friday. If this, if this is going to be fulfilled, he couldn't have died on Friday and been resurrected on Sunday and been three days and three nights because he gave Jonah as a sign, which meant he died on Wednesday afternoon. The Sabbath of that year fell on a Wednesday. He died on a Wednesday, and he was resurrected on the first day of the week, which was Sunday, after spending three days and three nights in, in the heart of the earth. Now, I'm, I don't tell you that to create some kind of a controversy. I'm just telling you, that's the way it had to be. Now, how many knows when he says something, he means it? So three is the number of the resurrection. In type, Jonah, and you need to put this in there, Jonah had died and risen from the dead. He was a type. He was a, an Old Testament uh, type or a shadow. And when he was in that fish, that was symbolic of death. And he was in that fish for three days and three nights. Now, if anything's going to make you pray, being in the belly of a fish would probably get a lot of our attention. And uh, so he prayed. And then when, after he had prayed and after the, the, the amount of time was over, that fish spit him up. And uh, you'll find that if you read about in the book of Jonah, how wide was the city? It was three days journey across. The, the, the number three is stamped all over the book of Jonah. 
Uh, it, is, it is amazing how numbers play out. Now, so three is the number of the resurrection. I got a question for you. How many did Jesus raise from the dead? In his ministry, how many people did he raise from the dead? Come on, you guys, students of the Bible. You don't have to give me a chapter and verse, but uh, can you give me who they were? Lazarus of one. Who? There was a little girl, Jairus' daughter. And who was the other one? A little boy that, or a boy that had died, and he stopped the funeral procession, didn't he? And uh, the, it was a widow, and her only son was, had died. And I think you can find it in Luke chapter 7. If you want to start there, you can uh, kind of run through the Bible and, and find that one. I think it's Luke chapter 7. Now, how many words did he say at the tomb of Lazarus? What did he say? Three words that is connected to the resurrection. Number three is, is stamped all over the resurrection. Now, I, I want to share also, and it talks about the three is, uh, is connected to the Trinity. First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with what? Number one, a shout. With what? The voice of the archangel and what? With the trump of God. So three is connected also uh, to, to uh, the resurrection of, of us getting out of here, okay? So he's going to descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And then it says what? The dead in Christ shall rise. Three things connected. Now, also it stands for the Trinity. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Let's uh, check this out. What does it say? And then God said what? Let us. Let us. Us is more than one, right? Let us make man in what? What, what does that mean? There's more than one involved in this. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. You're going to make him in our image and they, according to what? Our likeness. Uh, the Hebrew word for let us, or that word us, is Elohim, which means more, it actually is the plural form. Now, there's a lot of, there's some churches and movements in our, in our world that, that, that doesn't believe in the Trinity. We happen to believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, it, is, it is something that is very difficult uh, sometimes to get your mind around. They are co-equal. Uh, they, are, they are co-existent, co-equal. And thought and purpose, uh, they are the Trinity, okay? Now, but notice also uh, what the Scripture says uh, when we get into the types of the Godhead, all right? The ark, which is, is a type of the Godhead. Let me, uh, we talked about it last week, the ark, okay? And how, how, it, how significant it was. It had three uh, levels in the ark. Now, why did he make it with just three? Why, why didn't he make four? Why didn't he make five? Why didn't he make six? He could have made that thing ten stories high, but he chose because the ark is, is a type, okay? So we have God the Father and the Son. The reason we, why do we know the middle one is the Son? 
because there was only one door in the ark. Where was it at? It was in the, in the middle of the ark. It was only one door. How many, how many doors do you get to God? No man cometh unto the Father except by me. And so then we have, so we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There's only one window in the ark. Where was it at? One window to let in the light from heaven. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives revelation. He said, I, I'm going to be the teacher. When he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will be a comforter. He will be a teacher. He'll give you revelation. He'll uh, let the light in on your life, okay? So we made man in our image. We know that there's a trinity. And then notice the, uh, the tabernacle. Let me, let me do this. The tabernacle in the wilderness. Meaning, and uh, keep the number three in mind, okay? So there's three, there's three parts to the tabernacle in the wilderness, which is also symbolic uh, of the Godhead. But uh, turn to, uh, let me uh, go ahead and let's do Psalms chapter 84 and verse 11. Now, and, and keep that up there for a minute. Man is a tripart. He said, let us make man in our image. Okay? This outer court, this outer court relates to the flesh or to your body. Okay? Nothing, there, there's nothing spiritual that you see out here. It, re, it relates to our flesh. Everything you see in the outer court is surrounded by dirt and blood and all kinds of stuff. Okay? Okay? So it relates to the spirit. Now remember, he said, let us, let us make man in our image. So he, he, is a, he is a trinity, and he's made man a trinity. A spirit, soul, and body, correct? And so the, inner, the holy place in here speaks to our spirit. The first thing that you go in there, uh, you, you come in the light of the Holy Spirit. You have the table of showbread where you have fellowship with God. You have the light of the Holy Spirit shining on your life, which ministers to your spirit. It has a little altar of prayer where we connect with God through prayer into our spirit. And then the holy place speaks to that of the soul. So man is a, a three-part uh, individual made after the image of God. An animal does not have a soul. Or, or, or I should say a spirit. He has a soul, but he doesn't have a spirit. Okay? Because he's not made in God's image. Only, only man is made in God's image, and he is made up of body, soul, and spirit. So we look at the type uh, of the Godhead. Uh, Psalms chapter 84, 84 and verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them who love him. So now, so uh, what does it say that God is? All right, he's a son. All right, now when, we, when it says son, what kind of a son is it talking about? Remember in the beginning he made three great lights. He said, let there be light. And he made one to rule the day, one to rule the night, and then he created the stars to shine at night. Let there be light. Okay, so we notice that God is the sun, our our associated with the sun, and then the moon, 
and then the stars. It's a, it's a trinity, okay? Go to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. How many knows that the moon has no light of its own? When it shines at night, who is it reflecting? All right, so who is the, the express image of the Father? Would be Jesus, right? And then we have God, who is the Son. Okay, and light. Now, it is interesting that when God put this thing in, into order, our emotion, He is still a God of numbers. He, he made the earth and all this stuff. Uh, our solar system orbits around the sun. The center of our solar system is the sun. The earth uh, goes on a 365-day orbit around the sun, uh, never speeding up, never slowing down. The moon circles around the earth every, what, 30 days and so many hours. They add, that's the reason they add an hour uh, or a day every, in some of the months so they can catch up. But it never speeds up, never slows down. There's nine planets in our solar system. Nine is the number of what? Gifts of the Spirit. So our, our whole solar system is designed. That's the reason he said when, when Abraham was wanting to know about God and about his plan and stuff, and he said, go out and look at the stars. Now, how long has it been since you've been camping and you kind of sat out there and looked at the stars and this overwhelming sense of smallness began to overwhelm you? when you begin to see the stars. Now, the stars give light in the darkness. The moon reflects the sun. The stars give light in darkness. Now, let's go to this uh, Genesis chapter 15, verse 5. And he brought him outside and said, Look now toward the heavens. And count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. He was talking to Abraham about a spiritual descendants. He said, you're going you're gonna, to, in fact, the New Testament relates everybody that has come to Christ in faith as descendants from Abraham's seed. Correct? Have you read that in the Word of God? So he said, now look at the stars. Stars give light in the darkness. Now, for 2,000 years, uh, Jesus uh, for, gave light, okay? Now for 2,000 years, the Holy Spirit has been the one that's given people light. Now check this out. Go to, the, go to the next verse. 2 Peter chapter 1. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises where? In your heart. Let me give you uh, a, a play here on, on symbols. Now, I know the, the badge of, uh, uh, of the police officers, I think, has eight points, doesn't it? But the Star of David has six. The Star of David has six. All right? God is a triune individual. All right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We are... Triune. We have a body, we have a soul, we have a spirit. But when you add these together, and God comes into your heart, 
and the day star begins to rise in your heart. Okay? And then when this happens, you, like the stars that give their light in the darkness, now the light of God's love shines to the believer when he said, you are the light of the world. You are the light. The day star has to be in here. You have to have be converted and, and receive Christ as your Savior. Go to the number two there. The number seven stands for perfection, completeness, and fullness. All right, the number seven stands for com perfection, completeness, and fullness. Genesis chapter 2 and, and verses 1 and 2. Thus the heavens and the earth uh, and all the hosts of them were finished. Okay, what, go ahead. If you have verse 2, put it up there. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work which he had done. Now, seven stands for perfection. Most of you already know this, okay? It stands for perfection, for completeness, and for fullness. In the beginning, God stamped the number seven upon the work uh, of his hands. Whatever he puts his, his hands to, he, there, is a, there is a complete work, all right? In seven days, seven days make a perfect week. Seven notes make a perfect scale. How many knows the seven notes? All you musicians, what, what's, what's the notes? On a piano, what do you do? Do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. And you start a new scale. I, someone said there's seven colors or seven colors in the spectrum of the rainbow. Is that true? I, I don't know that to be a fact, but I've been told that. Seven steps to the tabernacle. Now, um, let me get my... Seven steps in the tabernacle that, that was given for completeness of our walk with God. Here, I'm going to... I'm going to be an artist after I quit pastoring. Probably won't make no money, but I've seen some pictures that are worse. All right, number one is the gate. Now, this gate was made out of all kinds of beautiful and attractive colors. At some point in your life, something attracted you. No man comes unto the Father except the Holy Spirit Draw him. Something, whether you looked at someone's life or you heard somebody's testimony or the Holy Spirit began to convict you, all at once you, you were attracted. And that, the colors of this gate made it real easy to find because there was only one gate. Right inside the gate, number two, is the altar, the great brazen altar, the altar of sacrifice, which was the second step. When you was attracted to Christ, the, first thing, the next thing you did was you bow your knee. You receive Christ as your Savior. And uh, then, then you're on speaking terms with the Lord. Right outside of this tent, right here, it was what they call the laver. And it was made by, from the mirrors of the Hebrew women. And when he made this laver, it reflected. Uh, when you looked into that water, it reflected. And you could see your image in it. Because uh, the Word of God was like that. James talks about the Word of God. After you read the Word of God, you go away and you figure out what manner of person you are. So this was the third step. So uh, the next thing that, that people need to do, this labor represents the Word of God. 
We are, we are washed and made clean by the washing of water of the what? Of the Word. So nobody, nobody comes into His presence. Nobody comes into His presence without being cleansed. If there is something in your life that you need to ask God to forgive you of and the Word has revealed it to you, this is where you take care of it. You don't have to go back to here, but you do have to have repentance about things that's going on in your life that you need to be free from. Because nobody goes into the holy place and has communion because this speaks of communion. Over on this side was the table of showbread where, where you have communion. On this side was the lamp. And right here in front of this curtain was a little uh, incense table. So we have the third step. We, we come, the fourth step, the fifth step is the, is the showbread where you, you come under the light of the Holy Spirit and you begin to have communion. And uh, remember Jesus said, except you eat my flesh? Drink my blood. How many knows he, he was a type of manna? And so right here, you're having fellowship. You're, you're with Christ. And then this little altar of incense, which is the sixth step, is, it represents the prayers because now we're, we're, we're communicating with God in prayer. And then right behind this veil here was the Ark of the Covenant or the seventh step, the completeness. I'm, I'm longing to be free, aren't you? I'm longing to take that, that seventh step when that rapture takes place and we all rise to be in the air. We won't have to struggle with stuff no more. Our journey will be completed and we're going to be out of this world. Amen? Man, I'm looking forward to that day that we can, we can all get out of here. But seven is a number of completeness or the number of perfection and fullness. Okay? Notice number three. The number eight is the number of new beginnings. The number eight is the number of new beginnings. 2 Peter chapter 1. By which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be, be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, given all diligence. Now, notice there's eight things that's connected with a new birth. Number one, faith. Add to your faith, one, virtue, is two, to virtue knowledge is three, to knowledge what? How many is that? Four, to self-control, all right, to perseverance what? Is what? Number six, all right, go to the next verse, to godliness, brotherly kindness, which is seven, and to brotherly kindness what? There's, two, there, there's, set, there's eight things that's connected with the new birth that begin that you uh, that happens in your life now Leviticus chapter 23 in verse 11 talking about the the uh, feast I know Juan made some uh, mention Sunday night that he's studying about the feast days of Israel uh, and this is what takes place right after uh, the Resurrection. He shall wave the sheep before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf on the day after the Sabbath. The priest shall wave it. That wave offering or the sheep was a type of Christ, and he was resurrected on the on the eighth day. All right, uh, after the Sabbath, seven makes a com complete or perfect week. Week plus one, the the first day of the week equals eight for the number of new beginning. The number fifty stands for the Holy Spirit and Jubilee. How many has ever read about Jubilee in your devotions? Okay. 
We're going to find out. Leviticus chapter 25. And you shall count seven Sabbaths of years. How many has ever heard about the Sabbath of years? Every seventh year, according to the law, the Jewish people had to set aside the seventh year and do no work. They let the land rest. And if you'll study, you'll find out that one of the reasons they went into captivity in Babylon and was there for 490 years is because they broke the Sabbath. And they owed that many years to the land. Now, God keeps accurate numbers. And he told him, he said, I want you to take every seventh year and make it a Sabbath year. And so they thought there were some of the greedy people began to plant and harvest and all that stuff on the Sabbath year because, you know, uh, we're being blessed, so why can't we be blessed more? We'll just, we got a double portion on the sixth year, so we'll just work the seventh to it and then we'll get more money. Well, God was keeping count of the Sabbaths they broke. And then finally, when he got his cup full, he said, if you won't willingly give the land a Sabbath rest, I'm going to send you into captivity and I'll give the land rest in spite of you. And that's exactly what he did. Nebuchadnezzar come, takes them all away uh, and keeps them for 490 years before he turns them loose. That was the exact number of years that they had rebelled against the Sabbath law. But every seventh Sabbath, uh, it, when we come to the 49th one, then it was to give a, another Sabbath. It was called a Jubilee Sabbath. And so on that so every 50th year, the land actually got two years of rest. Now, what, what God would do, he'd give them the, a double harvest before that started so that their needs would be provided for. Uh, so God always, you know, if he asks you to do something, how many knows he's going to provide for you? And so Jubilee uh, stands for, uh, the, uh, it's a shadow of restoration and release from burdens and slavery. And if you read this, you shall count seven Sabbaths of years for yourself, seven times seven years, and the time of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be to you 49 years. Then you shall cause the, the, the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound on the 10th day of the seventh month, on the day of atonement. You shall make the trumpet to sound throughout all your land. Now notice what happens on this. And you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all of its inhabitants. You shall be uh, it shall be a jubilee for you, and each of you shall return to his bed. What happened during this time, I don't want to read it and make it expedited, because I've got a lot of things to share with you. All the slaves, all the people that sold themselves into slavery to pay their bills went free. All the land that was sold went back and reverted back to the original owner. It was a great time. Debts were declared uh, paid. Uh, people went back to their, to their homes. Uh, it was a great time of celebration. And that happened on Jubilee years. They was released from burdens, released from slavery. Now, hold that in your mind as we go through here. The number 40 is the number of tempted, tested, and tried. Now, we, we talked about that a few weeks ago. How many days, are, uh, Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, I think it's there. Uh, Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. How long was he there? Forty days. Israel was in the wilderness for how many years? The number 40 is the number of tempted, tested, and tried. I'm going to give you a little play on what we're going through now. How many, anybody here being tested? Anybody here being tried? One day it's going to be over. Now, Moses' life 
Moses' life was broke up into to three 40-year periods. For 40 years, he was in Pharaoh's court. For 40 years, he was where? In the desert. And 40 years, he was leading the children of Israel toward the promised land, right? Now, 50 is the number of Jubilee, okay? Uh, 40 times 50 is what? Two thousand years, isn't it? From Adam to Abraham. Two thousand years. From Abraham to Christ was another forty Jubilee years. And for the last two thousand years, our forty Jubilees, we have been being tested and tried but after this we go into freedom we're going to be out of here gonzo alright let me go real quickly the number 120 is a number of completeness and children of promise now I, I, I you can get these um Scriptures, I'm just going to tell you what they are. At the completion of Solomon's temple, at the dedication of that temple, and, and you read in Chronicles, there was 120 priests blowing 120 trumpets, uh, all of them in one accord, and uh, symbolizing completeness of the project. Acts chapter 1 and verse 15 talks about in the upper room there was 120 people that brought completeness uh, of the promise that God had given them. John chapter 4 and verse 35 says, don't think it not four months, then comes harvest. A Jewish month consists of 30 days. Four times 30 is what? 120. Harvest is symbolic of completeness. If you add the numbers 1 through 15 up, it adds up to 120, uh, which is the number of completion. Those who have given their, by faith, uh, have given their heart to the Lord and have found rest in Christ, uh, they are children of promise. But let me show you about, the, the, about this. 120, the scripture says, I will not always strive. My spirit will not always strive with man. How many years did he give him? My, it gave him 120 years. My spirit will not always strive with man. If, you'll, if you will multiply this 120 by 50, the number of Jubilee, you'll come out with a 6,000-year span of time. And at the end of that 6,000 years, we're going to be free. Numbers play a significant part. The number 1,000, and I'm going to hurry and finish with this. The number 1,000 means a day with the Lord. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. Check this out, this verse out. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. All right? God worked six days in creation and rested on the seventh. This is where the scholars come up with a 7,000-year plan of God. Okay? This is where they get that. He worked six days, 6,000 years. He worked, and then he rested. How long is the millennial reign going to be? 1,000 years. So six days he's worked with mankind. He worked with them from the garden, worked with them through... 
through families. He, he made covenants with them. He's worked with man for 6,000 years. And, and we know the last day or the last thousand years is going to be the, the millennial reign or, of, of Christ. It's, it's going to take place. So what I'm saying with all these numbers is it's about over. Now I'm going to, I'm going to share this with you before and, and, then, and then we'll have to get out of here. These four blood moons, I've been studying about it today. We got it. I really, man, I almost, it's amazing. According to NASA, there has been seven uh, occasions since AD 1. There's been seven. What is the number? What's, what seven represent? Completeness. All right. Seven means there's a number of completeness. It has happened seven times since A.D. 1, okay? It's going to happen for the eighth time. All right, what's eight? New beginning? September of 2014 to September 2014. 15. It's already happened seven times. Three of those times has been connected with feast days. The eighth time is going to be connected with Passover. Okay? There's going to be a blood moon during Passover this coming year. And the, second, the, the last one will be a Feast of Tabernacles. Okay? Tabernacles means in-gathering. It was a feast that represented them coming out of the wilderness into the promised land. The eighth time this, these blood moons are going to take place is this next year. But what intrigued me was when they said seven, uh, it's going to happen for the eighth time uh, this next year. But then I looked up, this, from September 2014 to 2015 is a, is a Sabbath year. What happened on the Sabbath year? Everything finds rest. It, according to NASA, it will not happen just this way again for over a hundred years. But God or has arranged from the beginning, remember, to everything there is a season. He knew from the beginning that these things would line up on a Sabbath year, which means rest, okay, getting release. And it'd be interesting to know if it was a Jubilee year, but I couldn't, I couldn't get the information on the Jewish calendars. But we know it's going to be a Sabbath year. According to Jewish historians, they can't celebrate. Now, I thought this was interesting. I read this today. They can't celebrate a jubilee year until Israel is back in the land. Until all of Israel is back in the land. But I'm thinking that's only going to happen in the tribulation period when all these people are going to go back. It's very interesting to see how these numbers are starting to play out and how close the coming of the Lord is. These, the, the signs in the heaven will not line up like this for over a hundred years from now. I don't think we're going to last a hundred years from now, the way things are going. What am I saying? 
are you predicting that Jesus is going to come this, this next year? No, I'm not going to predict he's coming. Uh, no man knows the day or the hour, but we can look at seasons. We can know the seasons. And if seven, the number of completeness has already happened, and this is the eighth time it's happened, which stands for, numbers don't lie, stands for new beginning, then there is a pretty good chance that from September of this coming year, of this year to September of this next year, something, if it's not Jesus coming, I'm telling you something major is going to happen. New, something new is going to begin to take place. What, what, does that, what does that mean that we need to do? You, you better make your calling election short. Okay? Get ready. Get your traveling boots on. Because this, this is, it's almost over, okay? And uh, the Lord Jesus is going to come for his church. If you have anybody to witness to, you need to witness to them and let them know. Okay? Time is near. Any questions? If you want information on the four blood moons and the way NASA, uh, NASA has somehow charted this stuff, and come up with these numbers. And uh, this is, NASA, as far as I know, is not as known for their spirituality. So they have nothing to gain or lose by giving you the numbers. Uh, they're accurate on, on how it's taken place. Uh, so someone said if they didn't know how all this stuff worked, they could, they'd never put a person on the moon because they never would hit it. Is that true? They didn't know how the timing and orbits and all that stuff would play out mathematically. They might shoot that rocket off the, long, the wrong time and miss the moon altogether. Is that correct? I, I'm not up on that. I, I, if I was an astronaut, I would make sure that they knew what they was doing when to, when to you know, blast me off so I wouldn't miss that thing. Okay? Any questions? All right. Stand with me. All right. Stand with me. God bless you guys. Next Wednesday, we'll do some more. We'll do some more numbers.